0: Did you know you can now access the Abiding Together podcast on Spotify? In the mobile or desktop app, all you need to do is click search and look for Abiding Together.
1: This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, where we desire to provide a place of connection, rest, and encouragement for all of you who are on the journey with Jesus Christ like we are. My name is Sister Miriam James, and Happy Easter. I'm not sick of saying that yet, and I won't be sick of saying it for a long time. I'm joined on the West Coast this time, so Heather, Kim, I feel your pain on the early morning. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Heather, Kim, and Michelle Benzinger, and we've already been laughing a lot. People, we're not really sure what's going to happen this 30 minutes, so... Get your seatbelts on, so. <laughs> so my fellow West Coaster, Heather, how you doing, girl?
0: Oh, I'm, toast, I hear. Yeah. I know, I was eating my peanut butter toast, maybe a little too loud on the microphone, so, listeners, I will spare you my breakfast this morning, but I'm doing well. I... We are like a week away from our women's retreat that I'm hosting up here called Royal, and um, you both are coming up to visit me next week, which I'm super excited to have you here, along with Mary Bielski and Father Tim Hepburn and Annie and a bunch of fun people. So I'm super excited about that, but I'm one of those people that when I have a lot on my mind, I can't sleep. So I've been up since 3.30. To all you you listeners who have been up through the night, I am with you. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Michelle?
2: Um, I am good. I've been up since 435, but on purpose, not because I couldn't sleep. And Heather, I don't think your mom is sleeping either, because I got up early, and it was like 435, my time, That's and i like, my iPad next to me, like, your mom liked all these posts. I'm like, what is Marie doing up this early? Like, it was like 330 her time. Um, Ma- I was like, Maria
0: is a night hawk. She's up through the middle of the night. No, she's probably, I was like, she's probably praying for the three of us. She is that kind of mama. On, and she on is Facebook. that kind
2: of mama. And so, but I was like, that poor <laughs> woman is not sleeping either, so um, mm. yeah. But all good, all good, sister. How are you? All good things, all good things. I'm, I'm good actually. I'm, I'm on the west
1: coast because I'm visiting a very dear friend of mine, and her father passed away. So. I'm about to attend the funeral and just to spend time with a friend and just love her. Um, so it's nice to see her, but I wish it was under different circumstances for sure. But she's been out taking care mm-hmm. of her parents for a couple of years now. So she, we've known each other for 18, 19 years, and we made our first vows, our final vows together. We've undergone a lot, and it's just nice to be with a friend wow. like that, you know.
0: Wow. What a blessing you could be there. I'm sure she feels the support. That's beautiful.
1: I feel yeah, I feel really grateful, and we're gonna. A couple of other sisters are gonna come in today, and and yeah, you know that's that's life, right? Life has all sorts of mysterious chapters and journeys, and and I think that's what we're gonna talk about today. You know, as we move into the Easter season, and as Christ is appearing to the disciples, which I epically love. We could have so many episodes just on that alone of his appearance and just their <laughs> responses and their interior disposition. But today we're gonna talk about uh, John twenty-one, where. Peter says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> you know, and so he's kind of decided that's what he knows how to do. And he's going back to what he knows how to do because perhaps this whole thing with Christ is over now. And he's not really quite sure what to make of it, which I just, I love the disciples. They're just so much like us. I and mean, they are mm-hmm. us. Like we are them, yeah. they are us. And it's, can't we all relate to this? So let's just talk about that. If we could just talk about that, you know, after Lent, you know, we've had this season of Lent where we have given up some certain things. We've taken on certain things and just the whole restoration of the human heart to become more intimate with Christ. So the question really is, that's going to guide our conversation today is after Lent, do we go back to our old ways? Mm. <laughs> you know, how does that, how does that, and maybe Michelle, do you want to start us off? Like, how does that, just the question even strike you, you know, how do you go back to your old ways after Lent, or do you? Like what's the point?
2: I don't I don't even know. Like I think for Lent, like you get in this regimen, it's almost like boot camp. Um, like you're training really hard, you're getting to do all these things, and then Easter comes and then you're like, Okay, now what? What now? Like, how do you go back to ordinary time? And this time between Easter and Pentecost is actually one of the most powerful times in you know, the liturgical year, you know, because the apostles are waiting, they're anticipating. Jesus appears to them after he is dead. He hasn't assumed up to heaven yet, but, um, or ascended, sorry. Uh, Mary assumed he ascended. Um, and then the Holy Spirit hasn't come down. So, like, in my mind, I was like trying to think this week, like, okay, how do I go from Lent to being in boot camp to like a holy anticipation of the Holy Spirit coming? Mm-hmm. You know, that is, I think this is such a, we are liturgical people. So to follow the rhythm of the liturgical calendar. Okay. So now we're anticipating the Holy Spirit to come. Now we are trying to have encounters with Jesus, like the disciples had encounters with Jesus. Like he just appears to them suddenly. Um, so practically, I'm still trying to figure that out, how to live that in my life right now in this season. Um, I just told my husband this morning when I was brushing my teeth, I'm like, I need a personal retreat you know, um, ASAP. And he's just looking at me. Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> get right just that. not, yeah. Go right on that. Let's see where that's going to fit in the schedule during <laughs> May. But anyway, but yeah. What about you sister? I agree with you.
1: I, I can honestly say I've enjoyed the octave of Easter more this year than I ever have. And I felt like every day was such a gift and I've just thoroughly enjoyed just immersing myself in the scriptures. And I think it's true. Lent you know the, the disciplines we take on for Lent you know which this is ordered toward the integration of our hearts and our souls and intimacy with Christ it has different levels so say for example maybe some of us you know we did give up sweets just as a, as a something like a discipline or as just as an offering to God and so now you know it's Easter so now you can have your sweets back but that's really not the, the deepest part and I, I have to say that I was very convicted on Good Friday this year of just some areas of my life that need to be crucified, that are really faulty ways of thinking, like St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, that, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And there were just some areas of my mind where I just had, like, it's like a weak muscle where I was just giving into negativity and just this kind of a chronic area of my life. And I was so convicted on Good Friday that when I wanted to venerate the cross, like that needed to go on the cross, and that's done now. Hmm. And it's very, it's very interesting how in this last week... I've been very challenged in that of like where the weak muscle shows up again. And just to, to consciously say, no, I'm done with that. Like that part of my self-protection, that part of where I've been trying to protect myself from whatever I think I'm doing is not, we're not doing that anymore. So it's another discipline, like you said, as well, of choosing hope, uh, in my life, you know, actively choosing hope, which is a, it's a spiritual discipline where you get stronger. But I think it's very true of, of the whole reality of land, uh, uh, I love that as boot camp, and but also a uh, transformation for deeper intimacy with Christ, where our lives are transformed because the disciples are their lives are being transformed right now, in a radical mm-hmm. way, and it's about to transform the world, and and so are we.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you pose the question for me, I <laughs> it's it's a little convicting. It made me kind of cringe. and go. Eh. I don't want to get into this question totally. Um, Not because I feel like I've fallen back into my old way, like right this second, but I do that. Like this idea of, you know, sacrificing or having transformation begin And then just letting it go, getting lost Mm -hmm. in the shuffle um, and going back to old patterns and sometimes not even necessarily like fully choosing it. I just let it happen because I'm not Mm -hmm. being as intentional as I was during a season of Lent or something like that. Um, For me, this Lent, I started out by giving up sugar. There was a few other things. And I felt like within the first week and a half, the Lord said, I don't want you to give up those things. It's not about sugar this Lent, Heather. It's about you and me. And it's about you bringing your suffering and uniting it to mine and really letting me go with you, like on this journey to the cross. And. So, that was a very intensified Lenten journey for me. It was way more intense than giving up something simple, although those things are important too. Like you said, the disciplines are important. You know, detachment is important. Offering God any sacrifice, we have no idea the power of that. But for me, it was a little bit deeper, and it would be very easy for me to just go back to... Okay, I'm I'm just gonna like self medicate with numbing out or distraction or you know just get back into life because I'm not being as intentional as I was during the season of Lent, and um, and I think there's an invitation like you were saying, Michelle, to this season that we're in. It doesn't mean that. You know, going back to your old way isn't about, oh, now I ate candy. Oh, I've gone back to my old way. That's not it. There is a celebratory. Mm-hmm. This is the season of abundance. You know, we should be celebrating with the intention of celebrating, not gorging, right? There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. there's grace mm-hmm. for this season. There's grace, abundant grace to enter more fully into intimacy and the resurrection power in our life. And to receive, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, Um all of all that comes with that—the the courage, the bravery, like all of those gifts that that God wants to pour out on us in this season. So, you know, the the question is a deeper question for me. It's like, how do I go back to my old ways? You know, and Lent is just a good time to reflect on that. You know, coming into Easter now. So,
1: yeah, definitely, and because it's such an easy thing to do, and I, I. I really love the full circle and I think we'll get into this, you know, as we journey this podcast episode, but I really love the full circle. Like even in the story of Peter, you know, Peter has epically failed the Lord. And I think we all know what it's like to maybe really disappoint somebody or have a disagreement with somebody and they won't like you can't reconcile for whatever reason. Maybe they won't respond to your phone call and that sick feeling that we all have in our stomach, you know, when that happens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, here's Peter who the last time he saw Christ, it was when he denied him. And you can just imagine just the sick feeling in his stomach of of all the the emotions that are happening, all the disappointment in himself and just his own failure. Like we all have had that experience. And I love how gracious Jesus is, especially in the Easter season. I mean, he's very particularly showing us that he seeks us out for reconciliation. Like he seeks us out and he brings Peter to the shore, right? And and he brings him to a charcoal fire and he's going to really, I really believe he kind of looks at him in the eye, right? He captures his gaze and he's going to he's going to bring Peter into, in a very reverential way into a full reconciliation with himself by just asking him if, if he loves him. And I, I just love this story. And so I love how, yeah, I think you and I, maybe we can all talk about that, like where we see Christ coming into our life to, to gaze upon us, to seek us out and to bring us to reconciliation, to bring us, like we talked about, to that shalom, that rightly ordered relationship, the mm-hmm. restoration of relationship. So what, as I kind of talk about that, maybe Michelle, what, what speaks to your heart about that, about the searching of Christ, his heart
2: for us to bring us into intimacy with him? I think it's good. Like the reference we're talking about is John 21 in the Bible, like that Easter discourse is what we're basing this conversation on. But I love it that the beginning of John when he says that um, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. I love what they, when they went back what they knew. They went back to fishing. Like, I'm sure that they were like, okay, they were living this life, journeying with Jesus, doing life with Jesus, and then the crucifixion happened. So where did they go back to? They went back to something they knew, went to fishing. So that Jesus met them where they were and what they knew, you know, that they were back there. And it's not like going back in our old ways after Lent. You know, God wants to meet us where we're at, you know, at the in the mundane moments, in the, not the big, you know, exciting moments, but in the mundane moments and where we, um, in the familiar moments, what we know. And, um, he, you know, the first thing he calls out to them, he says, friends, have, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And then he says, all right, put your nets down. And then they had more fish than they can imagine that he meets Mm -hmm. them where he's at. And the first thing he does is gifts them a gift. You know, Mm -hmm. he gives them abundance, um, like that he cannot be outdone in generosity. And then I love that they eat, like, let's have mm-hmm. breakfast, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind, he's like, let's have some fish and coffee. Like, I'm in resurrection, let's go sit down and have coffee together. Like, this is my Jesus, like, come on, you know, like, let's get comfortable, <laughs> feed me and give me coffee and let's do some fishing. I mean, yeah, that's a really good God, I love you know, and so what about you, Heather?
0: Oh, there's so much in here. <laughs> I just like, mm-hmm. I, I love, I love this story because there it's playful. There's parts that are playful. Mm-hmm. There's so parts true. that are tender and deep. There's parts that are so powerful, like the restorative actions that Jesus um, like allows for, for Peter. It's, it's really unbelievable. So even the thing about, you said about the fish, like he made them breakfast, like how kind <laughs> is that mm, it's just so amen. it's just so kind that he would know they would be hungry and so he prepares a meal for them like he he wants to take care of them and nourish them and and uh nurture them you know i i just feel like this shows jesus's personality this uh this whole chapter in such a beautiful way and i i think like them being in the boat when jesus is standing on the shore he calls out to them you know have you caught anything <laughs> that's my words but basically he's like do you have any do you have any fish yet well he said that to them before you know when he first called them like there's something kind of playful about that that they you wonder like would they have remembered that he said that would they have sort of like glanced up like there's something really familiar Déjà about vu, this yeah. scene you know <laughs> there's something really familiar um and the charcoal fire like i I've mentioned this before, I think, but there's only one other charcoal fire in the Bible that they specifically say, and that's when Jesus, or when Peter denies Jesus, he's standing around a charcoal fire. So, the fact that Jesus lights another charcoal fire, it's like he's recreating the scenario for Peter. Like, everything would be engaging Peter's senses, his memory. Um, and and that needs to happen for us, you know, to be restored. It's just so kind. Like I just think, oh gosh, he's so kind. He's so good, you know? And when they realize that it's him, like Peter just just coming to him, like I think it's an important um this would be an important prayer exercise to sit with this chapter and really try to think what would Jesus really have done? How would he have looked at Peter? You know, I think I don't think he would have waited for Peter to swim all the way to him. I think that he would have met him and just hugged him, you know, because that's the kind of God we have. It's his tenderness. It's his it's his love. Like he wouldn't just wait for Peter to come all the way cowering, you know, to him. But sometimes we feel like that in our life, that when we sin, when we screw up, it's like we cower and we sort of like crawl our way to confession, like God's going to be harsh with us or the shame is just so overwhelming. And I think that Jesus would have responded to that right away, you know? And, and I think that's really when he offers them food, that's sort of like the tenderness there, you know? Um, but then he allows them to, to, um, to restore the relationship by asking him, do you love me, Peter? And it's the three times, you know, we've, most of us know that the three times that he denied him, the three times he can restore his relationship and profess his love for him. But I, Sometimes I think we can read that and go, Well, that's kind of like Jesus is making him do that. You know, we can put a tone to like to the scriptures sometimes, like, do you love me, Peter? Like, tell me again, you know, like tell me again. We're gonna restore this, you know. Um, but it's really about Peter's heart. It's about intimacy. And we can't lose that in this in this chapter. It is about deep reunion and intimacy. What are your thoughts, sister?
1: Oh, I I, I love everything that you both have said and I, a couple things about, as I've been pondering this story in the Easter season is, you know, I, I love it even even how gracious God is, how reverential He is, how reverent He is. Like, you know, clearly they couldn't catch any fish, and so He says, you know, put the net out, and they catch fish. And then when he, they come to shore, He says to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. <laughs> Not like, hey, I caught those for you because y'all couldn't do it, so why don't you bring this to the fire? You know, like He's just so gracious in that, and and yes, I love I love His tender reverence toward. Peter of just giving him a chance to reaffirm, and I just love it when Peter finally says, "Lord, like you know everything, like you know that I love you," and like you just can imagine just like his, his just tenderest vulnerability there. And but I also love the end, also when. You know Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter kind of refers to John, and he says, "You know, Lord, what about him?" And Jesus is like, "Don't don't worry about him. You follow me. <laughs> you just you follow me." And I, I think it's very easy for myself to get, you know, sometimes to get distracted by what other people are doing, and it looks so much better than what I'm doing, or they, it looks more interesting, or they have like such a more full life, and and I'm like, "Lord, what about them?" And Jesus looks at me, he's like, "My bride, just." Don't worry about that. You follow me. Like, this is my path for you, and this is my grace for you, and I just want you to keep your eyes on me, and you just follow me, because I'm going to take care of you,
0: you know? Mm. Mm. That's
2: so good. It is good. And uh, my, <laughs> my husband and I were having this conversation about this scripture, actually, last week. You know, the one whom Jesus loved talking about John, and, you know, I love John. Like, John is my, you know, the one that I relate to, but he chose Peter to lead, yeah. but he chose John it was always the one that he says, the one that I was like, I told my husband, I want to be the one that says, you know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> and Chris <laughs> looked at me and goes, you know, John wrote that, right?
0: <laughs> like, he's the one that wrote this. <laughs> he's right <up> by himself.
2: <laughs> um, but himself. Hey, but he said not in a cocky way, but, that like Chris was like, I don't think he wrote it in a cocky way. Like, yeah, he loves me the best. But he wrote it in a way saying that this is the truest sense of his identity. You know, like mm. he had really claimed, you know the beloved, and all this kind of stuff. But it was interesting, you know, Jesus put different people in leaderships. You know, he put Peter in that way, and then Stephen was a martyr, and then later on we have Paul. But it's interesting, John, the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved, he entrusted his mother to him, you know, his most prized possession. He was the only one that wasn't martyred. You know, and he was the one that wrote Revelation. So it always gets me thinking, you know, like, okay, what were their dynamics? And Jesus doesn't play favorites, but it was just the different ones, you know, that he loved. But I think Jesus, I think for me, like John the Beloved, I think he brought comfort to Jesus, you know, there was something about him that was just um comforting to Jesus. and I just think about Peter, and it just makes me feel so much better. Like, I mean, what a mess up, and God just redeems his messes all the time, you know, and like it just gives us hope and grace. like, you know, it always still amazes me, um, that God chooses to co-create. I've said this before with us. you know, why would you waste your reputation on us? You know, like, why would you do it this way? And um, it just reminds me what that quote from G.K. Chesterton, when it says, you know, Jesus promised his disciples three things. They would be completely fearless, absurdly happy and in constant trouble, you know, and that (laughs) is just totally Peter to me and totally us, you know, but they'd be fearless and happy and in trouble and just making messes. But at least they tried. I guess this is what I love about Peter you know, he was the only one that tried to get out and walk on the boat. He at least tried. And yes, he did not do it perfectly. He messed it up a lot of the times, but at least he dared greatly. At least he was fearless. At least he, you know, put himself out there. And I think for so many of us are like, okay, if I can't, if I'm not in a, like perfect, I can't serve um, the Lord. If I don't do this right, I can't serve the Lord. Like come as you are, you know, just walk out of that boat, come in relationship um, and he'll restore what we messed up. That's, you know, that's the gospel.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and I and I think it's also important for us to remember that <clears throat> these these stories aren't just stories from a long time ago. Like Jesus is alive and well right now. Like he has a body. He is alive. He is Intimately involved in every detail of our life, you know, and I I think we see in Peter, especially, he doesn't do well when he's not with Jesus. (laughs) He doesn't do well when he's not right by his side. And I think that's so true of me. I do not do well when I am not right beside Jesus, you know, letting him lead me. Speak to me when I'm not listening, being intentional about my relationship with Him. And I, you know, it makes me go back to um, when I first had my big kind of conversion encounter with God and I knew that He was real. And I was in high school and um, I was kind of living this double life. Like after that experience, I was trying to equal that experience with things in the world. I don't know if you've ever done that, but <laughs> I think of course, many of us yeah. do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it was so intense and powerful. I wanted to hang on to it, you know. So I I tried to equal it with the world, and quickly realized that that wasn't working for me. And I was faced with a decision, you know. Later, it took me a couple years to figure this out, but eventually, I was faced with a decision: was I going to truly follow Jesus and leave it all behind, or not? You know, there there was no middle ground. There's no lukewarm either. Either you're with them or you're not, you know, um, doesn't mean perfection, right? But it means like, I, I'm coming under your lordship, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you now. Um, and of course, we could see in the, in the disciples, there's still a lot of room for screwing up here, you know, and there's an, an, an unbelievable amount of mercy that God still offers us. But there's a change that happens. There's a letting go of the old way. And I think that this is the encouragement for this season, that sometimes we're, we're so overwhelmed by our past or our attachments or the old way of living, we don't know how to do it. And I think we have to recall, you know, that scripture, Romans eight eleven, where it says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That Amen. same power that took, I mean, the crucified Christ and raised him and brought him out of the tomb who is alive and well today, it lives in you and me that is alive in us. So it's not like we have to keep hustling and striving and just like white knuckling it through. That is not the Christian life. And that is not the abundant life that God has called us to. It's about opening ourselves up to that same power that's alive in us and staying close to God. And and I think that's where transformation happens, you know, and it isn't just about healing. Like I think sometimes we can get caught up in that. It's like, it's not healing. It's about intimacy, And intimacy can only happen when things are removed. Like, just use the marriage um, analogy, you know, things have to be removed for true intimacy to happen. Um, You have to let your guard down. You know, there has to be a veil that's removed for there to be true intimacy. And it's the same with the Lord. There's things that need to be taken away. Um, But when we truly love Him and understand His love for us, it's like you gladly enter into that, even if it's vulnerable, even if it's hard. Right. Well,
1: that's so good, dude. Mm. Yeah, the veils that, and the veils must uh, be removed, the unveiling. And that's, you're right. I mean, that's intimacy is home, right? It's where we're seen, known, and loved, and where we rest and find our home. And we ache for that. That's the deepest desire of our heart.
0: And I think we see, I mean, that, that moment where Jesus meets Peter on the beach again, could you imagine the way they looked at each other? Like, Peter must have just felt like, You've seen everything in me, Lord. You've seen it all. I I j- like it he was totally bare before God. There was no hiding anymore. Like the worst had come out. <laughs> and there's something incredibly beautiful. Like I envy that, you know? I'm like that's so what I desire. Like it's in, in the deepest desire of every human heart to be seen for who we really are, even all the bad, that we would just be undone, you know? No more hiding. And um, and I think that's the invitation of this Easter season is to come out of hiding, you know, to really let the Lord see us and um, and to rise with Him.
1: Dang, girl, mic drop. (laughs) And we're done. Okay, so. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm weeping. I'm not joking. My eyes are full of tears. Like, that's so, that's so, oh, I can't
2: even talk about it. It's beautiful. (laughs) Amen. Um. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, when we take it and we really reflect on this and, you know, really take these scriptures to heart and put ourselves in these positions, um, you know, and see how these different characters they are not characters that just happened 2000 years ago. You know, it is like our experience with God now. And I was thinking about this when I was watching um, on Easter night, I recorded Jesus Christ Superstar. And, uh, yeah, Chris lasted like five minutes. He's like, what the heck is this? You know, I was like, well, it's a little loose adaptation of Jesus's life. But what I really wanted to see was John Legend and Sarah Baralas. I'm a huge Sarah Baralas' fan. But when Sarah Baralas, you know, sang the song for Mary Magdalene, you know, I just don't know how to love him. You know, I really like hit me in a different way. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like when Jesus encountered Mary Magdalene, here she was a prostitute. She had never related to a man in a healthy way. You know, and those lyrics just struck me in a different way than they ever heard before, you know, like where she said, you know, he's just a man, should I take him down? You know, like should I scream and shout? Should I speak of love? You know, but then when she talks about, you know, if he said he loved me, I'd be scared, I'd be frightened, you know? But then she said, But I love him so. Like just when we encounter God and when he meets us where we're at, even in our craziness and our brokenness. It's such a radical love that you don't know what to do with it. You don't know where to wrestle through it, receive it, or do that, but He's just there in it, in all of it. And that's an exciting journey. And I think that's where we are at like right now in um, our personal lives and in the life of the church right now. just like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me right now? And where are you going to meet me? And how are you going to transform me? And one of my favorite scriptures is earlier in John, I think it's John 14 somewhere, is, you know, you will even do greater things than this. Like, you know, it is better that I go. You know, like, and I'm like, greater things, like Jesus rose people from the dead. I was like, okay, I'm ready to see greater things in the church. Like, let's be a greater things church. Like, I want to see greater things in my life. I want to see greater things in my family and my neighborhood and the church and the world as a whole. Like, I want to lean into this and experience the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be greater things. And not for the gifts, but for being in on mission in relationship with the Lord to do greater things in that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. And you know, I just somebody has said the other day they were we were just deeply sharing about where we're at in the journey and um the change of Lent and all that stuff. And they said, you know, can we really be different? Like can we really like let these old ways go and I was like I'm banking on it (laughs) I am with everything like I am in such deep suffering right now in my personal life like just the you know working and letting God heal old wounds that I'm like that is the deepest hope that I'm hanging on to you know and I think for a lot of people listening um God knows where you are and he sees you, you know and and like Michelle is saying, like there is an abundant life right now that He's calling you to and and that's something that I hope we can journey into together to feel encouraged by these conversations that we have with one another um, to remember the hope that we have in Jesus. And this is a beautiful time in the church. so I, I think we just need to open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the scriptures, in the liturgies, you know, to encounter, uh, this message again.
1: Amen. Amen. Wow. Well we could we could record a whole other episode on this. But unfortunately we are out of time, my dear sisters. So it is time for our Easter one thing here. Well we got a couple Easter one things. But Heather, do you want to give our listeners your one sure. thing?
0: Sure. Um it's not it's not really very joyful Easter-ish, but it's where I'm at. And so this song, uh it's by Will Regan called Nothing Without You is just wrecking me. Like I'm listening to it multiple times a day. It is wrecking me. And um, I'm just going to put it on the, on the website for people. You can listen to it. There's a little video of him singing it. It's just so beautiful. Just a very deep ache, uh, love song to the Lord. So I love it. Yep. Michelle, what's your one thing?
2: My One Thing is actually also a song, but it's an older song, but I don't know why, you know, it's just in the mood, but it's Hill Songs, What a Beautiful Name. Um, I could just I've just been having it on repeat lately. There's just something about it where, you know, where that part where you have no rival. Um it there's just, it's just such a powerful anthem and um just just the power of his name. You know, it's just a remarkable thing. And, you know, and I think Brooke Lightwood is probably one of the funniest people known to me and too. I think she's so quirky and so cute. So it just makes me even like the song even more because she was a co-writer on it. You know, she's really funny. Um, yeah. So what about your one thing, sister? Oh, I've got a couple one things. I'm breaking the rules this week. I,
1: I want to give a shout out to the, I want to shout out to young adults. Y'all are amazing and God bless you. And, uh, I was just had a great chance to spend some time with the young adults from ID 916 in Detroit this week and also the theology on tap in Denver. So I just want to give you all a shout out. I also want to give a shout out to the one person who's listening to us in the tanning bed right now. You're going to get skin cancer, but I told you I want to give you a shout out. You're probably going to prom even though you're like old. So get out of the tanning bed and listen to us in another place. And one more thing is uh, Heather sent a video, uh, is it Jonathan Helser and the song is called find me. And it's an acoustic version, and I cried my eyes out. So I'm going to throw that up there. I'm not going to throw it up, but I'm going uh, <laughs> to send the link. Semantics, people, semantics. Uh, I'm going to send that link, too. That that song is epically gorgeous. Between that one, Nothing, other than, or the one that you mentioned, Heather, and then the Find Me, man, I was that broke me that day in a good way. It was just so, it was the ache of my heart. and You know, it's like that's what music does. Music expresses the ache of our heart, and I'm like, amen, so... Amen, ladies. Okay, well, so if you enjoyed our episode, we just want to say thank you again for all your wonderful feedback. We're just very humbled, and we're so deeply delighted that the podcast blesses you, and amen, and may it always be so. And so if you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it with a friend? You can find us on iTunes, give us a rating. Find us on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. You can click on an icon for any of our episodes, and you'll see discussion questions and all kinds of ways to journey in your faith. And so we've enjoyed just journeying with you and we just wish you a very happy Easter. And don't be surprised when Christ comes to encounter you on the seashore of your life this week. So until next week, we will be abiding together. Have a wonderful week.